Welcome to Learn Buddhism. I'm Alan Pito. This week, we are celebrating Thanksgiving in the United States, which is a major holiday, but it's also a perfect time to talk about something special in Buddhism called gratitude. Now, gratitude, also called giving, is a fundamental Buddhist teaching and practice. It helps us understand, realize dependent origination, and it helps free us from attachment and builds a compassionate mind, which is so important for us as Buddhists, because what we're trying to do is break down this false belief in a permanent, unchanging, independent self, which the Buddha says does not exist, but we believe it exists. And because of that, we cling and crave to things, these attachments, which fuel the three fires, which in return makes us create karmic actions, typically unwholesome, which traps us, binds us, in this cycle of rebirth, which the Buddha said is dukkha, or it's unsatisfactory, or it's suffering, or in various nuanced different meanings to it. But it's just not our natural state. We want to become enlightened beings so we can realize nirvana, our true natural state. So greed is one of those three fires that we want to get rid of. And the Buddha said, and Buddhism says, that gratitude is our way to counteract greed. So how do we become grateful and use gratefulness as an antidote or a tool against greed? Well, we can start by thinking deeply. And when I'm talking about thinking deeply, it's very specific. We need to think deeply on dependent origination, specifically how we are interconnected and interdependent on other things, other phenomena to arise, to sustain ourselves, and how also when those fall away, we are no longer going to be in this current form. This will help us awaken, so to speak, to our natural gratitude and compassion of mind. Because right now, we may be compassionate and in, in show great gratefulness in many different ways, but we really don't have a compassionate mind. This is something we don't really develop right now as as Buddhism says, as delusional, ignorant, sentient beings. We just don't really truly understand fundamentally dependent origination, which is so central, so important inside Buddhism. That's what the Buddha was awakened to under the Bodhi tree. This is what he understood and discovered and where all the teachings came from. But because we don't understand that, we cling and crave to things, as I mentioned, but that greed just goes up in our mind. It just is what we are thinking we need to do to protect our belief and to support and sustain our belief in false things, of like false beliefs in a permanent, unchanging, independent self and that of other phenomena. You may go, well, of course I know I will die one day and things don't last forever. But we understand that just really maybe at an intellectual or maybe superficial level. Buddhism says we need to go deeper, understand it at a fundamental level. But we don't really do that. And that's where Buddhist practice comes into being. Now, to build that compassionate mind, we can go and look at different sutras and different teachings of Buddhism. Now, one that I like is the four immeasurable states of the mind of a Buddha. A Buddha shows boundless kindness, boundless compassionate, boundless joy, and boundless equanimity. This 
is what we want to also show. Because if we think about an enlightened being like a Buddha or one of his line followers or a Bodhisattva, for example, we are seeing them just like that. They are kind, they're compassionate, they show joy and equanimity. We're seeing their behavior, right? You don't see greed with them. You don't see anger or hatred with them. And you definitely don't see delusion or ignorance with them. So they've rid themselves, blown away the three fires of greed, anger, and delusion. And in turn, we see this enlightened being who's residing in the natural state of nirvana. You're not getting burned anymore. You're not getting a smoke inhalation. Those are gone. That's where we want to be also. So the four immeasurable states of the mind of a Buddha, let me go through them for you. First, when we see an evil person, we should become thoughtful and consider that their evil is a burden most of all to themselves. With this understanding, we should treat them with as much compassion as possible. Now, you may be hearing that going, whoa, I have to show someone who's evil with compassion. And this is something where we're laypersons and we're in the midst of daily life. This is very hard to do, but it's something we work towards. And what they're trying to say here is, remember karma and everything else we, we learn in Buddhism? This is it right here. That evil person is just consumed, think about it this way, with the three fires of greed, anger, and delusion. They're not even aware of it. They probably don't have a glimpse of the Dharma. And so because of that, they're just in this endless cycle that they don't understand what's going on. Those karmic actions are just fueling even more of this. So as Buddhists, we really look at that as sadness. It's like that person is doesn't understand what they're trying to do or what they are doing because the karmic actions that they are creating is hurting them, not just others, but themselves most of all. But they don't understand that. So it's that delusion and ignorance there that just fuels that three fires and fuels those karmic actions and fuels the cycle rebirth and etc. etc. That is really sad. So as we progress in Buddhism and developing this compassion of mind, when we look at quote unquote evil persons, and this is wide range of different meanings to that, just please understand that. This means we're showing I'm compassionate to this person because I wish they could understand the Dharma. I wish they could change their ways to stop creating those karmic actions. We even saw this back in the Buddha's day where he had someone who was a mass murderer and eventually became a disciple, a monastic of the Buddha and transformed his ways. He realized his ways thanks to the Buddha and his teachings. Karma did not escape him, but he is now, because of that, that change he did, he is recognized as one of the, the greatest of the many different disciples, the monastics of the Buddha. And so that shows that we want these quote-unquote evil persons to change their ways. They can't escape their karma, but they can do steps to change it as soon as possible. Two, when we see those who are suffering, we should not turn away from them. Instead, we should provide them as much comfort as we are able. If you, for example, are donating money, donating your time, giving things, 
that's fantastic. We should absolutely do that. This is developing that compassion of mind as well as you do that. Three, when we are with our parents, our teachers, or others who are of good nature, we should feel joy and respect. We should seek to build on the compassion they have shown us by creating even more positive conditions in the world. I like this one because as you are experiences, as they mentioned here, joy and respect and compassion, you're experiencing how that feels. It's great, right? It's good. Don't stop there. Take that and push it forward. Go out into the world and also show joy, respect, compassion towards others. Be good natured. Have that compassion of mind. And then finally, number four, when we come upon someone who is angry with us, we should not return to feeling. Instead, we should look for every way we can think of to diminish it. Wow. Even as laypersons, that's going to be very tough, right? Just imagine as we head into these numerous different holidays during this season, people get very short-tempered, very loud, very upset, very mad, very angry, very greedy, right? How do you keep your composure? This is where all of this also ties into mindfulness, one of the Buddhist parts of the Noble Eightfold Path, that we should also practice. When we are mindful, as we just went through all these different four different conditions here, we're mindful of what's happening. We can go, you know what? I'm not going to show greed. I'm not going to show anger. I'm going to show compassion. And that is difficult and tough because we are not enlightened beings yet, but we're working our way towards that as Buddhists. And so just like on this one, you just, you know, you may feel you are correct. You are right. Is that greed that you are hearing inside your subconscious in your mind? Don't know in the moment, right? But can you tone it down, deflect it, and calm that person down by not fueling their three fires of greed, anger, and delusion? It's not about who's right or who's wrong. Think about it that way. You want to reduce their three fires of greed, anger, delusion. Think of yourself, especially in the Mahayana tradition, as a bodhisattva. You're a bodhisattva as you're out there, maybe an unenlightened bodhisattva, but we are out there to reduce those three fires of greed, anger, and delusion. So as you're able to do that, you are engaged on the bodhisattva path, on the Buddhist path, on the Buddhist path, because everyone is suffering. We're all trapped in samsara, the cycle of birth and death, which is unsatisfactory. So we're all going to feel these different things. So your power, think about it this way also, your power is showing compassion and gratitude because even as these people and all these conditions are being presented to yourselves, again, just like this one we were just talking about, well, they were angry at me or they said this hurtful thing to me, right? <laughs> we can be thankful for that, which sounds very unusual, but because we're being challenged, we're being presented, we're being thrown at essentially those words or feelings or whatever, we can use that as part of our practice in Buddhism. Because if everything was easygoing, perfect, how are you going to develop as a Buddhist? This is also why in the realms of rebirth, there's also like a heavenly realm where you could be, for example, a god or spiritual being. And that's not looked at as actually even favorable in Buddhism. Why? First off, all these realms of rebirth 
any condition you're in, is always temporary. So even this God, if you become one, right, is going to be a temporary existence. You're going to eventually go back to one of the lower states. But when you're in that quote-unquote heavenly realm, you're not learning anything. You're not being challenged with anything. It's this human realm is where we can actually progress. And that's where we saw the Buddha, well, before he became the Buddha, he came down from a heavenly realm to this human realm so he could become a Buddha. That is extraordinary right there. This is your best chance. And these people who may be angry with you or whatever it goes, this is almost like food or fuel for your practice, not for the three fires of greed, anger, delusion, but towards you counteracting that an antidote with compassion and gratitude. So we see this, as I mentioned at the very beginning, Thanksgiving is coming up. And I think this is a perfect time where you can show compassion and gratitude and loving kindness and all these other Buddhist concepts right during Thanksgiving. It may be a pleasant experience, maybe not be a pleasant experience. Maybe somebody's talking about politics or brings up something you did maybe years ago. But you have these experiences and you can show as a Buddhist through your behavior, your demeanor, and your actions what it means to be a Buddhist. You don't have to say you're a Buddhist. You can show it. And that's why it's so important to do that during Thanksgiving because now you are providing antidotes for anybody whose three fires may be raging a little bit you can help calm it down. In Buddhism in general, we see gratitude is shown in many different ways. A very popular way, if you're not aware of it, is where we actually give robes to monastics. And in our modern world, we don't really have to do this anymore. It stems back to the days of the Buddha. But with our modern world, there's lots of infrastructure. It doesn't really need to be done, but it allows both laypersons and monastics to participate. So as a layperson, they can show gratitude towards the monastics by donating them ropes, a very kind and generous donation and thing to do for everything that the monastics do for laypersons and also for the sacrifices that they're making. And in turn, the monastics, by receiving the robes, can show gratitude towards the layperson. So it's a very wholesome activity. Now, during Thanksgiving or any time throughout the year, you can do that as well. Maybe you're going to bring a certain dish, maybe a vegetarian dish, towards Thanksgiving dinner, or you're going to donate, or you're going to donate your time towards maybe a homeless outreach shelter or something like that. We can show this compassion, loving kindness, and gratitude in many, many different ways. So this generation of good merit, absolutely, when it comes to gratitude. And I would like to leave you with a prayer you can actually use during Thanksgiving, but anytime during the year, whenever you want to. So loving kindness is a very big thing inside Buddhism. And I kind of shortened this sutra's entire text into sort of like a short little prayer you could do. And here it goes. For all living beings, no matter who or what they are, whether they are seen or unseen, whether they are living near or far, whether they are born or unborn, let none deceive or despise anyone. Let none wish harm to another through anger or hatred. May all beings be safe, peaceful, and happy. And with that, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you enjoyed this short discussion 
on gratitude in Buddhism. Do you have any questions? I would love to hear back from you. Thank you.